You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. If you don't have your Bible out already, please pull it out. If you don't have a Bible, but you have a phone, you can find it on there too, okay? We're going to be looking at the ESV. And uh, we're going to get right into things this morning. There is no need for an introduction with this topic uh, that we're going to be talking about this morning because uh, when you talk about sex, people listen, right? I mean, that's just kind of, so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going to be looking at the way of wisdom. And this morning, as we look at through the Proverbs, we're going to be seeing that sexual purity triumphs over sexual impurity, Sexual purity triumphs over sexual impurity. And uh, just to kind of help us with the context, remember Solomon is writing to his son, all right? He's writing to his son. So when he's talking about the immoral woman, that's why he's talking about the moral woman. If he was writing this to his daughter, he would be talking about being aware of the immoral man, okay? So Switch the genders as need be, okay? So if you're a lady, be on guard of the immoral man. If you're a man, then you don't have to think a whole lot. You're just like, yeah, it says right there, okay? So we're going to, all right, we're good. And um, this morning, as we think about this topic, um, we need to be convinced that God's ways are good. Our world is telling us that's not the case. Our world, Satan, as we've been going through this series in Proverbs, we see it over and over again. The world, Satan, and self are battling against what God's Word says over and over and over again. And in this particular case, sex, God has a great way. Satan wants to twist it. The world wants to twist it. And if you and I are going to stand firm in God's ways, then... um, we need to be on the offensive, okay? Let me, let me, let me tell, you, tell you what I mean by that. We need to be not just kind of like laissez-faire. We need to be on the offensive. And if maybe if you like sports, a good offense is an effective defense, right? A good offense is an effective defense. And uh, so we're going to begin by looking at what are we defending against, right? What's, what do we need to be defending against? We need to defend against impurity, And as we defend against impurity, we need to realize the temptation. The temptation is real. If there's anyone here sitting there this morning who's like, I don't know. I don't know if this message is really going to be for me. All right. Um, It's maybe the one and two-year-olds. They could probably say that this morning. Okay. The three and four-year-olds. Right. But as you get older, this becomes a topic that is very relevant for your entire life. And anyone who's thinking here that they're above temptation, they're already in trouble, as we're going to see here in just a moment. also wanted to say uh, welcome to those who are online. I, I recognize that just the gift that it is to meet like this. California just got shut down again, okay? So we don't take this for granted. We love it. But we also recognize that there are some folks who can't be here because they're in a vulnerable situation. And so I want to just welcome them, especially again this morning and uh, encourage you to reach out to them. Uh, if you know folks in that situation, to say, hey, we love you. Like, how can we help you? How can we encourage you this coming week? All right, so we want to, first of all, as we look at defending against impurity, we need to realize the temptation. Realize the temptation. Again, from the beginning, Satan has taken God's good gift, intended for a monogamous married couple, and tried to twist it and distort it from the beginning, and he continues to do so today. Sadly, there is no one here who has not been impacted by sexual sin in one way or the other. You have been either sinned against or directly impacted, indirectly impacted by someone else's sin, or you have committed sexual sin. It may be things like secret lusts and fantasies, um, easily accessible to fuel that uh, on things like the internet today. Or it could be premar- premarital sex 
or extramarital affairs. But everyone here has been impacted in one way or another. This particular sin is dangerous. One reason that it's dangerous is it because of our foolish pride. One reason that this sin is dangerous is because of our foolish pride. Let's look at beginning in Proverbs 5, 8. We're going to be flipping back and forth between 5, 6, and 7. But Proverbs 5, 8 says this, Keep your way far from her. From whom? The, the immoral woman. And do not go near the door of her house. Solomon warns that this is not a sin to fool around with. A believer doesn't begin with the intention to sin sexually, right? A believer understands that there is a right way for sex and a wrong way for sex. And so they don't begin by thinking that they're in trouble. But when a man or woman lets his or her guard down and starts wandering wandering towards this sin, they will find themselves in a world of trouble before they know it. Aiken says this, Sexual sin is so seductive and dangerous because it can start out small and in many cases is seemingly innocent. And then before you know it, your life has been ruined. You may think to yourself, what's what's the harm in this relationship? What's the harm in a little innocent flirting? I'll never do anything anyway. That's how it begins. You will destroy your life and you won't even see it coming. Our foolish pride is the root of this sin again and again. Men and women thinking that they are above this sin. That they would never do what other sinful people have done. This is the first step in being vulnerable. Proverbs 7.25, just flip over the page there. Proverbs 7.25. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. We have to be on guard against that first step. Don't play around with this sin. They're so easy to fall into it these days, right? I'm just, I'm just going to look up my old boyfriend. I'm just going to look up my old girlfriend on Facebook. It's no big deal. I'm just going to see how they're doing. No big deal, you know. And Oh, phew. What's the harm of just friending them? Well, you know, I, I just, maybe I'll just quickly send them a message and just say how happy I am for them. It's not a big deal. And so the lies start. You know, nobody is home right now. I, I'm just going to hop on the computer. You know, yes, I've had a problem looking at things, uh, reading things that I shouldn't on the line. But, you know, I'm just... I just, I'm sure I'll be stronger this time. I'm just going to look up some sports stats. No big deal. The first step. We need to understand that we all have wicked hearts. No one here doesn't, right? Well, you don't even know me. Um, it's my first Sunday. I know, you, I know you have a wicked heart because that's what the Bible tells us. We all have wicked hearts. And if we're not careful... If we're not on guard, we will quickly fall into this sin. We'll begin to rationalize why it's not a big deal. And, and, and we're not doing anything that big of a deal. It's, just, it's, it's okay. The Bible is warning us we need to stay far away from the temptation. Flip back to Proverbs 5. Solomon is warning of the danger here. Proverbs 5 verse 20. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman, or if we need to, forbidden man, right, ladies? Why would you be intoxicated with him and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The Lord always sees. The Lord always knows. He's watching the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is fast, held fast in the cords of his sin. The sinner finds out that though they thought they were in control, the situation now finds that they are enslaved in their sin. I'm in control. It's no big deal. And what they will find is that they are ensnared in the sin. He dies for lack of discipline. And because of his great folly, he is led astray. 
because he would not listen to the warnings, because she would not listen to, to the warning that she is not above temptation, because they would not listen to that, the end will be terrible. Men and women, we need to think about sexual sin like Joseph thought about sexual sin, right? As Potiphar's wife comes to him saying, oh, come on, let's, you know, it's no big deal. And, and, and she continually tried to entice him and he continued, refuted her. And in one time when he found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time with a woman who was, trying, was intent on having sex with him, what did he have to do? He fled, Right? He didn't stick around like, well, you know, Mrs. Potiphar, let's talk about this. You know, I, maybe you should have some counseling. It seems like you're, he didn't, he just took off. He ran. That should be our mentality when it comes to sexual sin. You get out as quick as possible from that temptation, whatever that temptation might be. And so we need to be warned that our foolish pride would tell us we're, we're not in danger and then we also are in danger because of the false promises of this sin. It's tempting because of what it promises, right? Your life will be complete if you give in to this. I mean, isn't that the messaging you're getting over and over and over again? Right? If you want to be happy, you need to be satisfied sexually. It's like at the top of the charts. And so, do what you need to do. It's going to be so sweet. It's going to be so good. If you just would give in to this sin, then your life will be happy. Proverbs 5, 3 says this, For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. There's a temptation there because of what it looks like. When that person begins to consider it, all they see is the honey, right? They don't focus on the fact that the person is a forbidden person. All they see is what they want. And they believe that they, if they go after this thing, it will probably, it'll, it will bring about pleasure and happiness. Again, they start to rationalize in their mind you know, when I, when I talk with this person, I, I finally feel important again. They really understand me. They're so funny. They're so wise. I really enjoy my time with them. And, and though they're thinking that they, they're not necessarily going to go there, but it's, it's just, I just need this in my life. My life would actually be so much better if I was just with them. And they begin to fantasize about it. They begin to lust after it. Proverbs 7, 21, again, a couple pages over. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. The, the aggressor continues to work away at his or her defenses, saying whatever will convince him or her to do what they want them to do. Solomon again warns in chapter 6, verse 25, do not desire her beauty in your heart. And do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. <laughs> with her eyelashes. Okay, we get what he's saying, right? Like, like don't, don't sit and ponder. Don't, don't think about her beauty. You need to shut that down quick. Do not contemplate it. Do not allow the fantasy to continue. Resist the lust as soon as it arises in your heart. Do not begin to think what could be if you pursue this sin. Of course, Jesus warned that even to lust or covet is sin. You're already on your way there if you begin to contemplate. No one here is exempt from sexual sin. Sadly, there may be even some here this morning who are watching or who are watching online who are in danger even now. Great danger, even now. You're telling yourself it isn't a big deal. You would never fully pursue a relationship with someone who's not your spouse. That your secret sins of lust and fantasy are not a big deal. They're just part of being human. 
you know, in the scheme of things, it's, it's not as bad as it could be, and so it's okay. God is okay with me just having this little bit of my, in my life. But you need to be warned this morning that this path will not go well for you. You need to secondly recognize the transgression. You realize the temptation, but then recognize the transgression. Recognize where this is going. Once a person begins to entertain the temptation, they begin to unhitch from reality in unwise living, or sorry, and wise living. In fact, they try and think as little as possible. Look at Proverbs 5, 6. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. Bridges says this, not only does she give no thought to the way of life, she is determined that nobody else should either. She knows the checks of conscience must be diverted. No time must be allowed for reflection. The intrusion of one's serious thought might break the spell and open the way of escape. I love that. It might break the spell. When this person starts down this path, it's like, you guys like watch Looney Tunes? Right? You know, like when Bugs Bunny's eyes were like, you know, like the, the circles and like, hey, Bugs, what are you, you know? He's like, you know, eh. That's, that's the picture here. The person is like, they're wandering and, 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 what they, and what they wind up doing in order to make sure that they don't get woken up is they begin to bring people into their life that would condone what they're doing. They start staying away from that radical Christian person, that person who might actually say something that would say, hey, what you're doing isn't okay. You need to shut that down. And so they begin to, to keep people like that away. I only want positive people around me. You ever heard that said? Sadly, too many times I've heard that said. A well-known pastor, I just noticed a, a tweet that he had said he disqualified because of sexual sin in his life. He wrote this on a tweet this last week. Almost every Christian who's reached out to me after they have totally screwed up and bottomed out as a result has said the same thing. Same, same thing. Their non-Christian friends stuck with them while their Christian friends bailed. False or true? Well, if you're going to make a general statement, I would say that's a false statement. Your non-Christian friends were there. Why? Because they have the same morals as you have at that point, right? Your Christian friends didn't bail. You kicked them out, right? You're like, I don't want anything to do with you and your, your, your viewpoint. You don't understand me. I'm okay. I can do this and me and God are good. And that's what we do when we begin down this pathway. Listen, when you need to have new friends so that they agree with the course that you're taking, you know that the road you're on is not a good one. And it will not end well. Let's look at Proverbs 7. There's this amazing picture that, that Solomon gives us of, of what this pathway looks like. Proverbs 7, 7 through 9. And he says this, and I've seen among the simple, I've perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense, passing, passing along the street corner, sorry, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. Dumb move, right? He's already, he's already setting himself up. He, he's like, oh, what? Like, I'm just going out for a walk. No big deal, right? Again, uh, the picture here, he's kind of downplaying, you know, what could happen, you know. It, it's, it's, but what? He's in the wrong place at the wrong time of day. And in his effort to, to, to still convince himself that he's a good person, maybe he's, he comes up with some kind of lame excuse. I'm just, I just need the exercise. It's, it's, say it's healthy to go out for walks late at night. So I'm just going to, you know, or whatever your lame excuse would be. And I've heard many of them. Continuing. Verse 10. And behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. This woman is letting her intentions be 
widely known. She's not, you know, kind of like, oh, I don't know. So she's intent. She's driving for it. She's dressing appropriately for what she's intending. Ladies, can I just, can I just pull that over just for a second? Don't listen to the world and when they're telling you how you should dress, okay? You think about what, what am I communicating through what I'm dressed in? And if you're kind of like, I don't know, is this conservative? Is it not conservative? Ask another godly woman. Dads, step in, right? What are we communicating by the way that we dress? The big deal. This woman, she's dressed appropriately for what she's pursuing. And it says that she's wily of heart. The Greek here says that in that word, is this, she's skillful in deception, right? She's skillful in deception. Verse 11, she's loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner, she lies in wait. She's intent. She's aggressively pursuing the man. While he may be foolishly putting himself in danger, she knows exactly what she intends to do. The man is not innocent in this scenario. He just hasn't fully given himself over to the idea yet. At least not in his own mind. There's no one exempt from either scenario here. Like, it's not just that you would, you know, kind of be a person who, who like, oh man, what, how did that happen? You could be that person like this woman who's like intent. You've turned your back on God and you're intent on pursuing sexual sin. Continuing verse 13, she seizes him and kisses him. And with bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices and today I have made my vows. As crazy as this sounds in this, I've seen this over and over again I've seen this. What does she say? Like she's like, come on, like let's, let's do this. She's again intent on showing what she, where she's at physically, but did you catch what she just said? I just went to church. You're religious? Me too. I love God too. Yeah, yeah, I just was at church. Yeah, we, you know what? When we're together, I feel so much closer to God. I, I, remember, I remember in college, a, a leader in our school having an affair with the woman that he worked with and then telling everyone that this was God's will for his life and that, that was, this was you know, what God really wanted for him. Again, Bugs Bunny, eyes like not, not, if that six months ago person, same person would come to that person and say, what are you thinking? They would be like, what? Right? It's like that person, this completely changes. Then she continues, she says, now, so now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning to, to let us delight ourselves with love. So now she's like, come on, let's do this. Let's do this. It's going to be so good. Can you just imagine? Listen, listen to what I prepared for us. It's going to be so great. We'll be able to have our pursuit of pleasure. We'll be able to have our fill together. There'll be no end to this indulgence this night. There will be no end because no one will know. Verse 19, for my husband is not home. He is gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. Don't worry about it. No one needs to know. That's the last deception. No one needs to know. Is this going to be our little secret? I don't know where we're going in this relationship, but I know we got tonight. So let's have our fill tonight. By this time, there's no turning back. Verse 21. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. In her smooth talk, with her smooth talk, she compels him. Any hesitations he had are now all coming crashing down. 
and he sins with this woman. In many ways, it was a foregone conclusion the moment he left his house. It just took a while to get there. Geyer says this, he who would avoid danger must avoid temptation to sin. He who would avoid sin must avoid temptation, sorry, who would avoid tempt sin must avoid temptation to sin. Self-confidence has ruined many a promising profession. In other words, you've got to stay far, far away from this sin or this will be your path. And I've talked to people in every step of this way. Sometimes, many times, I was sharing with the guys this morning, many times I don't get to hear this section. It's like, hey, I haven't seen them at a church in a while. Like, yeah, I guess maybe they're just on vacation. You know, well, you know, we'll maybe call you. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, we're, we're meaning to come out. It's just, you know, we're, we're going to come out soon. And, and then I just hear the end of it all. The devastation. But I have been in situations where a couple is in trouble. And, and then when I'm trying to talk with them about where they're like, no, this will not end well. Don't go this way. It won't end well. Oh, you don't know. You don't understand me. I thought you were supposed to be loving. I thought you were supposed to be caring. And that like the blinders on and I'm going to have what I want when I want it. And no one's going to stop me. We need to revere the tragedy. You need to revere the tragedy if you're going to be on the defensive. Proverbs 7, 22 to 23. Listen what happens. All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag who's caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver as a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know that it will cost him his life. Each of those analogies, there's this like, do-do-do, right? When you draw Betsy into the farmyard with the oats because it's its last meal, it doesn't know that, right? It doesn't know that it's about to get a bullet between the eyes, right? That's the whole point here. This naivety that like somehow for you, it will work out. But no, it won't. It will kill you. Old Testament, you commit adultery, the law says, kill them both. We're going to look at it in a little bit. Of course, we don't have the death penalty today, but there are still devastating consequences when we go down this road. But I want to focus at the end of your life, Proverbs 5, 4 and 5. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood. This, this, the, the honey lips, in the end, it's bitter. Sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. The end is never the same as the beginning. The promised sweetness ends in bitterness. It results in suffering. And tragically, this path leads to hell. The victims are many. Flip back to Proverbs 7, 26 and 27. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. Not only is there many, but the victims were supposedly strong. Those who believed that they were unable to be tempted in this way, and in the end, that which was promised so much in the temptation will be found to have delivered death. As we read in Proverbs 5.21, as we already looked at, God sees, God knows, there is no getting away with sexual sin. One of the biggest lies that happens when you are contemplating this sin as a believer is that God was going to forgive me. God will forgive me. It's okay. He understands. And I want to warn you this morning, if that's your heart, if that's your mentality, why do you think that you would have the grace to repent after the sin if you don't have it before the sin? It may be found that your heart was never for the Lord. And you think 
that you can unharden your heart just on a whim. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 30, 20. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. Tragically, you could get to the point where you're walking in sin and you think you're doing nothing wrong. And in the end, on judgment day, you will be given the sentence of hell. We need to listen up. We need to hear the warnings about sexual sin. We need to realize the temptation. We need to recognize the transgression. And we need to reveal the tragedy. And as I said at the beginning, a good offense is an effective defense. So be warned of this. Now pursue God's purity. Pursue God's purity. In sexual sin, there is no middle ground. You're either pursuing one thing or you're pursuing the wrong thing. There is like no like neutral, all right? So we need to pursue God's wisdom. I've never met anyone who's doing well with the Lord who decided the purity, the impurity was the path that they should go on. When we are pursuing the Lord and desiring to know him more and love him more, in, more and more each day, it's an effectual guard against sexual sin. When we choose to honor and hold high the authority of the word of God in our lives, instead of listening to ourselves or to the world or to Satan, we are well on our road to, the road to purity, right? If this is the authority in your life and you start feeling whatever and you're just like, uh, eh, not okay, not okay with what God's word says, re- repent of that, move on, right? That's what, the, it, that's what we need to continually be doing day in and day out. It requires effort. It requires effort. Satan wants to destroy you, and this is a great way to do so. So what do you need to do? Proverbs 6.20, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Just a few verses later, he said, because this will keep you away from that forbidden woman. Listen, moms and dads, sex education begins at home, right? Your kids are going to learn about it one way or the other. They ought to learn it from you instead of who knows from whom, right? Have a plan. When are you going to talk to them about it? How are you going to talk to them about it? If you do that, you'll help them. Help them to see that sex is good. Can you you say that in church? Yeah, you can. When God created the earth, it was good. Amen? Sex is not a dirty word. It is a gift from God, and your kids need to understand that. Proverbs 7 One to five, my son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. You see that repetition. Keep the words, the commandments, the teaching. Treasure the commandments. See them as precious. Keep them as an intimate friend and do not stray from them. If you do these things, they will keep you from sexual sin of every kind. When you cling to the word and its promises, then, it will, then you will not cling and be tempted by the garbage that the world is offering. Like when you tasted the good thing, you're like, that was garbage, right? Use your own analogy. We'll keep moving on, okay? But you, you got to be pursuing this. You have to be on board. Think about David, right? When you think about David and you think about this topic, what do you think about? Her name was Bathsheba. How did that happen? 
Really interesting. The, the, the author doesn't go into it a whole lot, do they? Right? Second, sorry, 2 Samuel 11.1. 1. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, dot, 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 David remained in Jerusalem. What? And then we find out, like, after laying out on the sofa all day, decided to go out for a walk, and like, oh, who's that? His guards were down. He wasn't doing what he ought to have been doing. When somebody falls into sexual sin, they do not fall far. You know what I mean by that? They begin to compromise, 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 compromise. Haven't read this book in a long time. Right? Yeah, 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 I got to get to that someday. I got to read the word someday. And when you don't have this with you, when this is not treasured up in your heart, you are vulnerable. You've already begun the slide down. Solomon is warning us, be people of the word of God. Treasure these above all else. Listen to this above all, above all else. Bridges says this, man must have the object of his delight. If wisdom is not loved, lust will be indulged. The Bible, therefore, not merely read, but cherished, proves a, sec a sacred exorcist to, the expel, to expel the power of evil. Right? This will break the power of evil. This will break the power of the deception. And then this. Get together with brothers and sisters. Have accountability in your life. Break the power of the evil by speaking it out into existence. Do you know what I'm saying by that? If you're struggling, tell someone. Tell someone hey, I'm really struggling with pornography. Tell someone. I'm really struggling at work. This girl, I think she just keeps coming over to my cubicle. I don't know what to do. Like, tell someone. Don't think that you can deal with it on your own. You can't. Your heart is wicked and deceptive. Tell someone. And so we need to pursue God's wisdom. Second, you need to prize your spouse. He who finds a good a wife finds a good thing, right? If you're married, celebrate, right? As much as you did on day one, you should be celebrating your spouse. We are pathetic people, aren't we? Oh man, really want to get married someday. Really want to get married someday. Really want to get married someday. You get married, eh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, got to move. I got, yeah, I got uh, lots of stuff to do. And, and, and you, everything crowds out your love for one another. The thing that was like the focus when you're younger becomes like an afterthought continually. But listen again to what it says in Proverbs 5. I love what it says there. Verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern. Flowing water from your own well. Okay, cistern. I don't think I got one of those. Okay, what is this saying? Bridges helps us. The beauty of this figure is illustrated from the fact that the houses of the East each had their own cistern. It's where they got their water from. Love within marriage is one of the great earthly gifts that God in his mercy has granted to his fallen and rebellious creatures. So enjoy with thankfulness your own and do not desire water from your neighbor's well. That's the point. Don't start coveting someone else's possession. Enjoy what God has given you. Celebrate what God has given you. Prize your spouse. Verse 16, should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Should you take this gift that God has given you and waste it with sexual promiscuity? Don't waste it. Celebrate this gift that God has given you. Again, God is not against sex. 
is just against his creation, using it wrongly and cheapening it and degrading it. Let your sex life be prized in intimacy between you, be, be, between you and your spouse for a lifetime. One woman, one man, together as one for life. That's true sexual freedom. Everything else is slavery. All else results in emptiness, lovelessness, and pain. And you are buying into a lie to believe anything else. Aiken says this, true intimacy is found in exclusivity. You become an expert on one person that you are committed to for a lifetime. Verse 18, 19. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. Rejoice in one another. You should have an active sex life as a married couple. 1 Corinthians 7 warns about it as well. That if you don't, you're setting yourself up for danger. You have to be intentional. So let's do what we did before we got married, right? Let's be intentional about pursuing one another so that the sex comes as a fruit afterwards, right? Like when you were, as a guy, when you'd go on a date, you're like, you're like, you're like, Okay, what I got to do to win her over, right? What I got to say, you know, how do I have to act? And, you know, like you were, you were on it, right? And uh, gals, you probably spent more than five minutes in front of the mirror before you went out, right? Like you were just like, I got, you know, I want to be on my best game. Like in both of you, right? Guys even took showers, right? Like so you were, you were on your game. I'm telling you this morning, get back on your game again. And now, what's so much better, now that you are married, that can end in a great celebration that date, right? And so, kids, work, everything else is second in this earth compared to pursuing your spouse. Prize her. Prize your spouse, right? I, I mean, I... It sounds crazy, I think, but I've, I've heard it said, and I think it's a great idea. If you have to, put sex on your calendar. Oh, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem to happen. There's always something, right? The kids, you know, somebody woke up, blah, 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 whatever, okay? Get it on the calendar if you need to. Now, maybe some of the younger people are like, what? Get it on the calendar? What are you talking about? But, okay, but I'm just telling you, you have to protect that area of your life. Married couples, if, if, if your spouse is here, look at each other. If they're not out in the foyer or whatever, but look at each other right now. Just do it right now. Prize your spouse, right? Maybe it would be appropriate to just give them a kiss right now. That would be okay. Okay? All right? Prize your spouse. Because if you don't, the consequences are terrible. They're terrible. This is the last point. Perceive everyone's suffering. Perceive everyone's suffering. There are no people who don't suffer when they pursue sexual sin. I've seen it happen again and again in my own life. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 5, 9. Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength as your labors go to the house of a foreigner. Stay away from the forbidden woman. It will be your financial ruin. That's the beginning. It will ruin you financially. That's, he's just saying, hey, you want to listen to some of the things that will happen? I mean, how many people have been ruined financially because of this sin? Verse 11, and at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed, and you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. Some commentators think here that this is a, this is a reminder of, of the consequences physically sometimes from sexual sin. 
did a quick search. It was like unbelievable in our sexually saturated culture that STIs, I guess they call them now, sexual transmitted infections instead of diseases. I don't, maybe it's the stereotype. I have no idea. But anyway, maybe there's more to that. But they just keep going up. The rate just keeps going up and up. And they're like, oh, I don't know. I, you know, and what's crazy is the world's like, I don't know. We're just, we're not sure why this is happening. And, and right? But, but be warned, if you go that direction, this could be the case for you. You could be destroying yourself also physically, financially, physically. Verse 13, I did not listen to the voice of my teachers as he's at the end of his life or incline my ear to my instructors. I am in the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Your reputation now gone as a result of pursuing this sin. No, for sure, there can be forgiveness and there can be healing, there can be restoration. But the same honor which you once had it's just not there. It's not the same as it once was. Proverbs 6, 32 to 33. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He gets wounds and dishonor and his disgrace will not be wiped away. I don't know. It's just, it's just like a, one of Satan's, I guess, little taglines he does with believers. I don't know how many people I've had tell me, well, it worked out for David. I'm like, have you read your Bible? What do you mean it worked out for David? His son died. The son that he had in that, as a result of the affair died. And then his whole family was a train wreck from this day on. Right? Got one son trying to kill him. That same son killed another brother because that brother had sex with his sister I mean, his whole kingdom came crumbling down. In what sense did it work out for him? Well, well, Solomon was the next king. Okay. It seems like a pretty high price to pay. Don't be deceived. Six, uh, Proverbs 6, 27 to 29. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. You have to take, take heed to the warning. You can't pursue sexual sin and be unharmed. Any sexual sin. Whether that be your secret thought life or premarital sex or extramarital sex, it all has consequences and none of them are good. There is never a time where sexual sin is worth it. As we close this morning, I, I want us just to be reminded of something. Who wrote this? Help me out. Who, who wrote these words? Solomon. What destroyed Solomon? Sexual sin. May, may we be warned that you could have all the wisdom in the world and know what you ought to do and you could still fall into this sin. You have to be on guard. Everyone here, you have to be on guard. No one is exempt. And so how do you do that? You pursue Christ. You pursue him day in and day out. You do not let your guard down. You speak to others around you. If you are feeling tempted in any way, you break that power as quick as possible. And then when you are married, you prize your spouse. Single people, prize your spouse today. Prize your spouse today. What do you want to tell them about what you've done from now to the time that you're going to meet them? What do you want to tell them about your pursuit of purity so that you together can celebrate the gift of sex in marriage? So prize your spouse now. God has that person. You don't know them yet, but God has them. Wait on him and his timing in regards to your sexual satisfaction.
if you have sinned, is there forgiveness? 100%. There is forgiveness found at the cross. I want you to hear that this morning. No matter what the sin, today, if you confess it, He will forgive. If God right now is bringing conviction to your heart about where you're at in this sin, then ask for His forgiveness today. Do not let your heart be hardened. Because forgiveness may not be found because you will not repent. So repent today. God is good. He is faithful. Sex is to be celebrated between a man and a woman for life in the covenant of marriage. And we want to celebrate that today. But all else is garbage and we need to be warned of that. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Lord, we do thank you for your word. And we are humbled this morning recognizing that there is no one here who in themselves would be free from this temptation. Lord, it is only through your word, it is only through you redeeming our hearts, it is only by our clinging to you that we can be on guard from this. It is only by doing life your way that we will have the satisfaction that we seek. And so, God, this morning, I'm so thankful that you know every heart here, as Proverbs 5.21 reminded us. And, Lord, I'm asking, I'm praying for each one. Lord, help them to be free of sexual sin today. No more lies. No more deceit. No more half-truths. God, let that sin come to light even today. That the power might be broken and that you might be glorified. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.